Welcome to the Best Ever You Show with your host, Elizabeth Hamilton Garino, CEO and founder of the Best Ever You Network, helping you live your life to the fullest. How? Real people, including celebrities, real advice, real places, products, and businesses, real life stories. It's all right here for you with this radio show, printed magazine, websites, community, and more. Remember to visit us online, too, at besteveryou.com. And now here's your host, CEO and founder of the Best Ever You Network, Elizabeth Hamilton Garino. Hello, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to the Best Ever You Show. I, um, yesterday, if you were with us, I spilled my coffee all over myself and my computer right before we went live on air. And um, so I have my coffee over to the right side of the desk today. <laughs> Just hoping it stays there. So funny, but yeah, it was all over me, and it was it was pretty funny. And so I love it when we show, start shows laughing and with joy and gratitude and all those wonderful things that make us our best. And we certainly have a guest here with us today who reflects that beautifully. Um, I'm still going to destroy your first name, and I love it. I'm going to give it a shot here, uh, Mikhail. I, I still didn't say it right, but I know the last name Nakmani. I know Avi, your husband. Um, I. I know him through work just slightly but um would you say your name beautifully for us michal nachmani beautiful all so right. you have Thank to you practice all your life since you're a child to say the ch sound and i do it with a lot i'm also an educator so i also do it with my students like the ch sound is very strange it's like not in the english language but we grew up with this sound of the ch yeah <laughs> C-H. Oh, my gosh, you have the most beautiful voice. Oh, wow. That's a beautiful voice as you're talking more and more. Oh, I can't wait for the show. All right. So here's how we arrived at you being here today. Um, I was on LinkedIn, and your husband, Avi, put out a note about your artwork being commissioned at Columbia University, and we'll get into that. And I was just sitting there kind of in LinkedIn doing my own thing, and it appeared. And it was so cool and so meant to be. And I reached out very quickly because I'm like, oh, that is neat. That just must be like a such a lifetime cool opportunity for you. And I thought you would just bring such wonderful um, information to our radio show with that because I, I don't know. I just I just thought it was really neat myself, and I thought we would share it. So here we are. What I want people to uh, learn about too is your website because we're online and a lot of times people are listening and listening and doing something else while they're listening as well and so I'm going to go ahead and spell this um, it's M-I-C-H-A-L N-A-C-H M-A-N-Y art A-R-T dot com so you can go to her website and um, learn more about um about all of her artwork and everything, but boy, you're an artist and an educator, and you're based in New York City. You were born in Jerusalem, Israel in 1958, and you moved to New York in the 1980s. Um, your artwork, I'm on your website, and your artwork, sort of, some of it is scrolling across the top, and it's just, it's just so, it's beautiful, mesmerizing, intricate. Thank you. I don't even know the right, right words, um, but your your exhibits, it says here that you create a space for communities to come together to connect over works of art and to share memories and observations. So welcome to Best Ever You. Thank you for being Thank here. You. I appreciate it. Um, I Can I go back just to how you got here in the 80s? I would love to yes. just start. First of all, I want to... I want to dedicate, so since my husband 
is the connector. I want to dedicate the program to him because you have to marry well. You never know, you know, when you meet someone. I actually got married relatively in my generation late. Everyone gets married in the 20s. I got married when I was 30. But my husband is amazing in terms of supporting me and whatever I want to do, he believes in me and just say yes to everything. So I want to dedicate the program to him, to Avi Nachmani, and also to my children, Ruti, Yoni, and Tamar Nachmani, that whatever I do, I always show it to them first. And they are very critical. If they say yes, I do it. <laughs> so <laughs> I love I can, that. Yeah. We are a team. We are always work as a team together. So oh, that's I beautiful. Came to, I grew up in Jerusalem and in a neighborhood called Arnona. It's in the southern part of Jerusalem. It's very isolated. And as kids, we're very independent. In my generation, the parents were always very busy working and try to make a living. And it, there's no expression like helicopter parents. We just had to figure out everything by ourselves. We played a lot outside because in Israel, everything is outdoors. And so I did everything by myself. I, my parents decided to send me as a child to the Israel Museum Youth Wing. And I had to take two buses. The neighborhood is really far from the center. I had to take two buses by myself. My parents never questioned anything. Can you do it or not? They just say, bye, just do it. And <laughs> I took two buses, took a class in different classes in art and in the summer, a summer uh, programs. And I always loved art and I fell in love with art. And actually as a child, my first art piece was um, I made a collage and they chose it to become a stamp in Israel. And they use it as a regular stamp in a series called Children's Art, Children's Artwork. So actually, this was my first oh, art wow. piece. And oh, I they, need that. They, I need a copy of that. Yes. <laughs> that is so amazing. Oh. It was very funny. It was a man in a hot, I don't know how I made it up because I didn't see it in Israel, a man in a hot air balloon holding a dog. And um, oh. so, and then... I, I, so as a child, you know, we went to the swimming pool, we rode bicycle, played a lot of soccer. And also my parents, unfortunately, they died. But my father, mm. my mother died very young from a disease, from cancer, very, very young. And my father died a few years ago. And he was very obsessed with collections. So because when he was a child, actually... They came in the 30s to Israel, and his mother, life was very hard in the 30s in Palestine, and his mother went back from Poland, and my, his mother went back to Poland. It was too hard for her, left my father with his father and planning to come back, but she never came back. She was perished with her family in the Holocaust. So my father never spoke about his past, and I just discovered it later in my life about the, this story. So my father was very obsessed because he never had really toys. And so he was obsessed with collections. So for 25 years after the, the uh, war, the six-day war, we went to the old city in Jerusalem. And every Shabbat, every weekend, the Shabbat is a day of rest. Every Shabbat, we went to the market and collected something. So the mixture, hmm. of, mixture of colors, sounds, and smells from the street of the markets of Jerusalem shaped my awareness 
of the past and gave me foundations of the present. And today what I create pieces that really influence from the smells that I smelled in the market of the spices and the colors of the fabrics and it shaped my life. Mm, yeah, that shows. That's a, that's just an amazing story. I, I, you know what? I, I love what you said too about you knew it when you were a kid, didn't you? You knew that you were an artist. How could you tell? I, I always loved, I always, I saw everything in colors and I always saw things very visual. I'm a very visual person. I don't. I didn't think that I would use it as a career, but I just always saw things in art. And also, I was very entrepreneur from a very young age. <laughs> so my yeah. mother was a, a kindergarten teacher, and in the summer, the kindergarten the teachers got some benefit of going to the sea in near Tel Aviv. And they gave us like very inexpensive lodging and like summer programs. So I took with me, um, like you know, macrame. I took with me some strings and macrame. Yeah, I know macrame. Created. I love macrame. Yeah. I have a, a plant. <laughs> My plants sit in macrame holders, and I feel like I'm the only one on the planet with those. So yeah, I know yes, so I created <laughs> different objects, especially I created belts, and I set oh, in the beach. Yeah and sold uh-huh. it to the people who came to this vacation. So I was very entrepreneur from very young uh-huh. age. I did babysitting, and I always wanted to be independent, to have my own money. So I always found ideas connected to art and craft, how, how to make money and to be an independent girl and person. So I still do yeah, that- today. That's kind of like my mom. My mom was my mom is super entrepreneurial, and so is my grandma. And um, my my grandma lived to be you know well over a hundred. And um, I grew up in um, my grandmother owned a bead store, and so my my grandmother would string necklaces and sell beads and so macrame and beads on the you know all that stuff belts and all that good stuff um, down in Minneapolis. And so she they were wow. super into the art. And so I grew up, um, I grew up in Iowa, but then I spent my summers in uh, Minneapolis down, uh, just right downtown, kind of like by First Avenue where, um, you know, Prince and Hennepin Avenue and all that stuff. My grandmother had a beat store next to the Man Theater. So I get what you mean about needing your own money and being your own person and having all that influence and all that good stuff. And that's, yeah. I want to go, I love the word bead, you know, it's funny because... I wanted to mention the, the the word beads in the when I want to talk about myself. So my father, he worked for the Israeli government, and he was very creative too. And my mother was a kindergarten teacher. They always were very creative, and also like communities and invited people to our home, and especially on Shabbat afternoon, you call it five o'clock tea. It's like British, and everyone came to our house. But in terms of beads, so when we, we used to go to the old city in Jerusalem. My father, when he saw a bead, he already saw the necklace in his head. And he, so he used to collect different beads and just set it home and connected and made a beautiful necklaces. And I have such a beautiful jewelry, tribal jewelry, that I still wear it today. And my mm-hmm. father chose every bead, every uh, bead as a story and every bead has a potential. And that I look at people as beads and I... Every person that I meet or every object that I see, I see a potential in it, like the beads in the necklace. Yeah. I oh, Yeah, the, my grandmother would have them in um, trays, all these different beads. And then she would, there would be um, 
beads to do more like needle needle type bead work type stuff hanging on the wall so you could come in and buy huge strands of a, a type of color for needle type of bead work or um my favorite though um i i loved amber cuz they would have amber mm-hmm. beads and then like um african trade beads i don't know what they call those now but they yeah. were these beads with i don't all different cool colors on them always all different do you know what i mean when i say you that know, yeah we yeah we i i talk about different types of beads that I don't know if you can even imagine them. I talk mm. about beads that are made of silver and also amber and other stones, but not Beautiful. expensive stones. But, and uh, these uh, beads come, people, every object and every person has a journey. So these people who sold the beads that we found them in the market brought it from their homes. You know, the Jews came from different countries. Like, for example, Yemenite beads that Yem- that Women used Jewish women used to use them in in weddings. So my father saw these beads, and like they're silver and they're beautiful, beautiful. and made necklaces. That this bead yeah. is the center, and then other beads around it. It's amazing. The ability to see the necklaces are was just uh, something very very special. And I think yeah, I, I inherited the collection, the idea, the obsession of collections, and to see potential in every breed, every person, every object. I think that's fascinating. We have that in common and we don't even know each other. Isn't that interesting? (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Yeah, one of the neatest Christmas gifts my mom ever gave me was she knew I was fascinated by beads at a young age. And my grandmother was the same way. She could string a necklace and she taught me, like I can string a necklace and, you know, um, do various things, make earrings and so forth. And, um, my mom gave me this giant box with four different levels of all different beads. I mean, everything. It was so cool. Such a cool gift. I remember it vividly. I must have been around 10 or 11. And um, just uh, this beautiful box. I still have it to this day. It's up in my closet. I never, I never really did anything with it because it was just beautiful as is. That's I didn't want right to use time. it. <laughs> it might be. You know what, what else do you collect? Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Ah, I, col- I collect. I just want to, just to finish one little story sure, about the beads. Yeah. So uh, I tried different techniques in my art and layering. So I decided to take a workshop in paper making, which was just something unbelievable. So I took some of the necklaces and I embossed them in the process of making paper. And you, when you dry the paper, it goes under a machine. I brought these necklaces and I embossed the necklaces and I have some pieces, which is the paper is white and the jewelry is embossed so it's just something so special, and it tells a story. In terms of collections, I collect so many things. I collect candlesticks, Jewish candlesticks. I collect fabrics from different countries. I collect like different like pieces of art, uh, vases that I made of copper. Uh, I my father every time that he visited us from Israel, he brought us something for the collection silver items that are ceremonial for the Jewish uh, ceremonies, like uh, when you drink wine on Friday night for Kiddush, it's like a ceremony that you drink it before Shabbat. And carpets, I have so many collections. The problem in New York City apartment, <laughs> you have to edit the collection and put it in a very neat, and I have a lot of fabrics, so I, I don't have where to show it. I, I I needed to open a museum. So yeah, I oh, have this so hand embroidered like ikat, 
which is from Central Asia. So these fabrics, I have so many of them, and I have to put it somewhere in my closet. But if someone wants to see it, I can take it out. But it's very hard to show everything, and you don't want to, to create like a warehouse from your home. So actually, I'm very happy the way it's now. It's displayed in a nice way, but not everything. Yeah. But I think what's neat, though, is um, you're able to share your, you know, if somebody really did want to see something or whatever, you're willing to to share what you've collected. And I I think so many people don't do that. They just think, oh, you you might not be interested in this. It's what I collect. But I think people are kind of fascinated by what other people collect. Like, um, I've I've been asked a few times, you might think about this, um, to put some of my collections on exhibit at local libraries. Now, I think your local libraries are a little bit bigger than ours here in Maine, but the local library here every once in a while will take my um, cat pin collection um, because I collect, uh, you know, like like brooches, like with uh, cats on them. I collect those. And um, I also, I collect Madame Alexander dolls. I love Madame. Wow. I have. No, we, we should start a movement we of should. women who collect. Collecting. You know, every, every question that you ask me leads to my story. It's very interesting how you lead this discussion and the conversation between us, and everything leads to a story. So basically, the way I started my art. So I always loved art, but I, had, you know, I went to the university and the arm and I went to the after high school to the Israeli army and university and then I came to New York and I raised kids and I never had really the peace of mind to really do the art. In few three years ago, my daughters graduated from college and they were looking for a place to live. Actually I said, you know, you have to be independent, you have to move somewhere. And I was looking for furniture, like secondhand furniture. So someone told me from our synagogue about a guy who cleans his grandmother's house. Wow, I thought it's the most interesting thing. So I went to this apartment. We bought a few things from this guy, Freddy Goldstein, come from a Jewish family from the Upper West Side. Where, that's where I live in New York. And then he said to me, no, Michal, I want to give you a collection of my family, which my grandparents started it and my parents continue. And many people had it. It's matchbooks. And people collected oh. whenever they traveled. They got free matchbooks from restaurants and hotels, and they came home. It's like Instagram of all days. So because they didn't have Instagram. So the matchbook collections are like Instagram. So they show when the friends come to eat dinner with them, they show the, where they've been. So they collected mm-hmm. it, put it in jars, in glass jars in the kitchen. So many people have this collection. And he said to me, Michal, I see that you like antiques. I'm giving you the collection. The moment I got this collection, I said to myself, that's it. There's really something about it that I need to use in my art. When I look at the images of the matchbooks, and each one has a story, they were graphically really beautiful. And it was, he even had a bar mitzvah, which he, he went to Israel in 1959. This is the first time that Israel had a transatlantic flight. So I said, wow, it has a story. So I invited him to meet me in a restaurant. He only eat kosher food. <laughs> so we met in a kosher <laughs> pizza place. And he told me on each, ma- I made copies of the pictures and then images. And then he told me a story about, oh, this is when my grandmother was inter- invited to the United Nations. This is where the first time oh, that man. I drank Coke in a wine glass in a Copacabana club. And it was, and I wrote in pencil, in Hebrew, a collect- a- 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 the story. And then I made the piece 
And I decided, that's it. I have to, fight to do it. So I found an artist. I went to an art tour in Harlem. I found two artists that I want to work with them. One was Russian, and I told him, I went to his studio in uh, Gowanus, which is a place in, Har- in uh, Brooklyn, and I said, I, want to st- I saw his art, I loved it, and I said, I want to start working with you. And he said to me, yes, that's it. We're working on, <laughs> on your pieces, and that's your first show. And, it's cra- and I said, what kind of show? I, ne- I just started. He said, no, we're not wasting time. This is your first show. And that's how everything started from the collection of old matchbooks. And my first show, I called it Journey from the Land of Milk and Honey. So it was based on these old matchbooks and my journey because I love journeys. I'm an immigrant. I'm an immigrant. I came from one place, moved to another place, took I, like, objects with me. And, other, mm-hmm. and they were immigrants, this family. So that's how I started to create my art. And that's how I started my co- new career, my reinvention. Oh, I, I love so how you took amazing. someone's. Yeah, oh, it's totally amazing. And, you know, what an awesome responsibility to take over someone's prized, you know, collection like that and do something so amazing with it. I mean, that's such a great story. But, I mean, that's just all 100% and more heart. It's all heart. And also, I like history because many yeah. people, everything today moves so fast. And people forget about the history. So I yeah. want to bring the history to life and the, to make people mm-hmm. aware of it, but then also bring it in colorful, like in pop style, or, but to, to really think about the history and where you came from and not to forget it. So we're going to get into all, the, all about your artwork and stuff, but I just have this pressing question. For, I have a couple of them, actually. I want to ask you about your, your kids, um, but I first of all want to ask you just a general question to help people be their best, if you don't mind. I want to ask you about fear um, and how – I want to ask you about goals, too, so as I'm thinking and I'm talking here. But um, I would love to know how, in your moment, in your life, when you have faced anything that made you scared or fearful or anything, how you overcame that or what, what it is that you do, because you have all these new moments and you seem quite curious. Um, we talked about curiosity yesterday. How do you, how do you keep, how do you push past? What makes me, what, what's the last question? What, about how do you fear? push? Yeah. How do you push past fear or anything that makes you afraid into doing things like move? You know, it's a pretty big deal to move to New York, even, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. I actually, I don't, I never think about it. I just huh. decided that if you, if you think about your fears, you become very frozen and you don't do things. So I never think about my fears. I just, and I don't, I'm not afraid of rejections. And I just, every day I get up in the morning and it's a new day. So every day I make a plan, what I want to achieve. I, I just do it. And I don't think about fears because if you think about fears, you never get anywhere. So I just think about what my father would do, what my parents would do, because, and what the people who established the state of Israel would do. They were not afraid. They came to a new country with so many difficulties. You just have, instead of just talking, you just have to do it. And if you fail, the failures lift you up and give you more energy. So that's how I live my life. I don't have fears. I actually <laughs> really don't have fears. I just do things. And if I don't succeed, I take a different direction. So fears don't guide me. And also, I just do, I, you know what, I think out of the box. And I think what will make me happy and what will make other people happy 
and what is the potential in every person and every object, and that gives me a lot of courage, and I really don't think about fears. Fears is not vocab- in my vocabulary. Mine either. And, I don't but like you know, fear. <laughs> it's funny. The he- health, you know, I never thought about it, but, you know, my mother died of cancer in an inst- like in a, in a year. So that mm-hmm. makes me a little bit scared, but, you know, but you cannot think about it every minute. You just have to try to eat healthy, to exercise, and to be happy. I think if you have good energy in your body and your mind, it's, you don't have fears. And if mm-hmm. you, have, you have a good partner, you need to work with partner, you need to work with community, and you, need, you cannot do everything alone. So if you have a partner who supports you, if you have children that are very proud of you and tell you their friends about their mom, like, what do I need more than <laughs> <Yeah>. this? <laughs> Mom's on Twitter. Yay. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I hear you. Uh, yeah, I want to go there, answer too. Your, answer your question. Oh, beautifully. Swim, I think that it's yeah. just, you, it's, you, we're always surrounded by bad things and, you know, but diseases and every, everything can scare you. But, you know, so you have to be aware of it and try to live with what you can do to overcome these fears and I don't, obstacles. Yeah, I don't sense you're one to get caught up in anything too negative either. Is that an accurate assessment? Yes, yes. Yeah, me too. I just, no, not, no part of it. Um, so let, let's talk about your family for a minute because you couldn't be married to a more brilliant human being on the planet, my goodness gracious. Talk about a visionary <laughs> in the financial services world and other areas. Um, he, he's brilliant, Avi Nakmani. He's, he's just uh, my husband has uh, always talks about him and and his take on things. Um, so, t- do you talk he came him? from a you farm about... in Israel. You know, my really? husband was raised in a farm, and Kvarvitkin, which and nobody gave him or me anything that yeah. you know. When Razan met me, he said, "You know what I like the most? That you don't think that anyone owes you anything. You just do it because you have to do it." And my husband is the same way. He just he just does things, and in the, and also he loves people, and he, he he appreciates every person. So I think that's a, a secret for success: just to be nice to other people. Isn't that the truth? Yeah, I um, I sat I sat down at a table, and I didn't know my husband knew knew uh, Avi, and I didn't, and we were in Naples, Florida, at a conference, and I couldn't be more kind. Really, just gracious didn't talk about work but talked about you I think mostly (laughs) (laughs) his beautiful family and what you were doing so in the lecture I started to talk about this you I said oh my god it's so boring you said no people love (laughs) stories yeah yeah my children what sorry Oh yeah, that's what I, I. You have amazing kids, and they. Well, I. You were talking yesterday. Um, I think one of your daughters is an engineer. Is that correct? Both. Uh, so my daughter. Both. Uh, we. So we raised them here. We don't have a family. We just were us as a nuclear family. We tried every weekend to take them to every weekend. We saw some museum or something cultural, or asked them, "What do you want to do?" They said, "We want to discover a new neighborhood." So they were very curious. From very young age, and that's the way we raise them to just do whatever you want to do and believe in yourself. So, uh, our daughters, they all our children studied in a Jewish uh, school. Then, two children went to Hunter High School, which is a very difficult school to get in. 
and they just worked hard, took the test and got in the school. One went to another very good school, Bronx Science. And they, so our older daughter got into an Ivy League school. So for us, it was, wow, we never went to school in America. She got into Princeton. And we never wow. told her what to study, something like practical. Yeah. She studied anthropology, environmental studies, and made movies. And she graduated, worked in advertising, and then decided, you know what? I want to do something more different, something different and more serious. So I like tech, and I said, tech? Wow, I never thought that this is you. And I thought, maybe it's not you. Thank God she didn't listen to me. And she decided to take a programming class, and she became a software engineer. And now she is into her second job as a software developer in Warby Parker. But she's still very involved in the art world. She's organizing salons and so many interesting things in art and support, different causes, and it's just unbelievable. My second daughter went to Johns Hopkins University, studied anthropology, studied writing and philosophy. She worked in the Manhattan District Attorney Office and thought, eh, maybe I'll be a lawyer. But when she saw her sister, so the older sister like had a path. She said, maybe I'll be in technology too. So she studied <laughs> also to become a programmer. And now she's a software developer in mobile applications in uh, Tumblr. And my son mm -hmm. now is in college, graduating this year. And he is into computer science from the beginning. So he will also be in technology. So it's great because that's the world today, technology, right. which is very far from me. So every problem that I have, I ask them, you know, and contact with them. I, didn't want, I don't want to bother them. But it's very interesting, the path that you never know where you're going to be, but they found themselves in technology, but still with a touch of art and culture. Yeah, round, uh, round, more well-rounded and so forth. That's, that's lovely. Um, yeah, it's funny how you go around and you think you're sort of technical savvy, you know, because you're on Twitter or LinkedIn or something, you know how to use it and everything, and then you get around a 16-year-old and they just put you right in their place. In your place. <laughs> our, com our computer will go down here at home and we're like, quay! They know so much. Yeah. <laughs> just, I don't they're wired differently. Yeah. Oh, so funny. Yep. So the, the boy learned from the girls that technology was the way to go, and he just, just beelined for it, huh? <laughs> yeah, he is very uh, – they also, again, they're a team. So they consult with each other if one looks for a job or whatever. They always are consulting each other, giving each other information, take each other to parties. And they're very um, – I really love how they are together. It's So I'm very happy that – we did a good job that they really respect each other, and it's just amazing. Yeah, I get what you mean. Yeah, I, we have four boys, and they're 16, 18, 20, and 22, and there was nothing that made us more happy when they came home for the holidays. It was so nice to have everybody together again because, you know, there's three in college at once, and then we have wow. a sophomore in high school. Yeah, we, and one plays college baseball, and so we're just sort of all over the map all the time. Um, like our, our one son right now is in South Carolina about to start open the season for baseball. And so my husband's going Saturday and you know, just, it's, it's really busy, but I know what you mean about having those, um, the, the well-rounded and, you know, fitting into kind of like, well, maybe not even fitting in, but um, do, doing what's um, helpful today with all the technology going on, that must be lovely to have um, people who get it. <laughs> 
for sure. Yeah, but not only technology in a dry air, like also like to take the technology and see how you can make yeah. the society better and how you can improve different things, the processes, and it, you, know, you know what I'm saying? It's just not just mm-hmm. the technology, but what goes around it. My daughter organizes something called Salon. It's like TED Talk with friends. And she, every two weeks, like between 50 and, and 80 people come and she invites speakers. So some from technology, some from other areas. And she's like, she saw how her mother likes communities and how uh-huh. it's, it's a great idea to have people together. And she's continuing. So it's really amazing. A connect, the connector, being a connector. I think you were right. Your kids would be beautiful on this radio show. <laughs> we're gonna have to, we'll have to have them on and do the blogs and do everything. So I think we'll, I'll follow yeah. up on that with you. Yeah, you're, you're right. It's hard to c- communicate all of that in, in uh, email messages back and forth. But, man, you have amazing kids. Um, okay, let's go back to Thank Amazing you. Mom for a moment and talk about your artwork. Because you're, you had an international art show that opened in 2016 in Taipei. Um, and yes. then it's just sort of gone from there. Do, where do you, where should we start? Should we start there and move forward, or should we start with Colombia and go back? And where do you want to go? Yeah, first of all, I, I, one thing that I didn't mention, that sure. I, I'm a self-taught artist. So basically, I didn't go to hmm. Yale Art School. I ask that. And nobody talk, and if a gallery would never talk to me because they need some kind of background in Yale, MFA, really? or... Yes, so I decided that I do things a little bit differently, and I need to have some things in my resume. So, and also, by the way, I work. I have a Japanese mentor. You need to have mentors. So I have a Japanese mentor, and she's amazing. She's also an artist. So she also gave me a lot of courage to take my things and to do with them interesting things. So I decided that international shows would be very good on my resume. So we happened to be in Japan. My husband was invited to speak in Japan, and then he was invited to Taiwan. So I decided when he's busy, I'm going to work on my project. So I, uh-huh. I spoke with the Israel representative in Taipei, and I said to him, I love art. So he said, I connected to a woman who was very involved in art. And she said, I came to a market, a very interesting old market in Taipei, which amazing. And she said to me, if you want to do a show here, please come whenever you're ready. So that's another thing, that if a door opens, I'm getting in the door. So I oh, yeah. planned the show, and it's not easy because to take everything is expensive. So I found ways that to minimize the weight, how, how much I have to carry. And I created, like, scrolls because in the Asian culture, you know, you have many scrolls. So I m- made my art on scrolls in different ways, and it was unbelievable. My show was some kind of installation. Like in Taiwan, they love the color red. In China, in Taiwan, the color red. So in the middle of my show, I did a, Jew- a Jewish wedding, installation of a Jewish wedding. I bought local materials like bamboo, and it's funny, with no language, you have to explain to someone how to build a Jewish wedding, a, a, a <laughs> which is a Jewish wedding. <laughs> so yeah. With, with like a, Body language, and I prepared the canopy, which you put on top, and it's very funny. One side was Jewish, one side was Chinese. So I thought, if the Jewish people want to get married, they have one side, and if not, they turn the side. And then I prepared the hat from paper mache, <laughs> some kind of a vein, and people, and the red carpet, which the red, and the Jewish wedding is, is white, so it's white and red, 
two cultures, they got really crazy, and everyone took a picture and selfies under the Jewish wedding. And on the wall, I, I put Jewish and the Chinese. And the people told me, if you're going to choose one of our famous leaders, he will come to your opening. And, like, and I chose this leader. He, his name was Chang Wei Shui. And his grandson is still alive and has a foundation. He was a doctor and a very interesting in the 50s, in 1948, which Taiwan has very similar similarities to Israel because we're always surrounded by enemies. It's a small country. And so I put Jewish images and Taiwanese images one next to another. So this leader and a very famous leader in the Jewish tradition, his name was Theodor Herzl. He was a visionary. So two visionaries from two cultures, and Beautiful it was idea. unbelievable. And, and the, yes, so you can see it on my website, all my catalog, all, all my shows. I made catalogs to um, keep the pictures, and you can see it on my website. So this was unbelievable. People came to, so it was in a market. So it was the gallery belongs to the government. So whoever passed in the market just happened to be there and came to my show. So it was. Unbelievable so experience, neat. and you, so that was my first. Sorry, yes. Uh, well, no, I didn't. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I thought you were pausing. I'm sorry. Uh, that was your first. That was your first experience with an art my show. First is that right? National show. And, so amazing. And, yes, and then I had a show in Poland. So what did what did you want to ask me? Well, what I wanted to ask you as you were talking about all of that, I couldn't. My mind went to children for some reason, and I couldn't help but think. Do you ever do anything with children to teach them these things? Like, do you take that art exhibit and show them, like, the similarities and differences between, like, what you just said, like, Taipei and, uh, you know, or Taiwan and um, uh, yeah, Israel? I my do you do that? Yeah. Yeah. I, first of all, one of my shows was a very different name, which I'll explain in a few minutes. Keep away from children. Not to keep away the children from art. But it's something different. But I want to go back to your question. So I decided, since it's very hard to be shown in galleries and there are so many artists, and what is your niche? And it's very difficult. So I decided okay. that my, I will show my art in community centers. And, I, and then I'll do workshops with children and family. And in Taiwan, I also did a workshop with the community, with the translator. So I, I brought my art to community centers such as educational alliance and 14th street Y. that these are places that the community comes and have their kindergarten there and they just come to the swimming mm. pool and i did and i came on the weekend and worked with the children cut papers and did collage with them and explained to them about the art so it was very moving and then i had the show in this community center and i called it a uh, albert dream i, t- I uh, saw a stamp and i developed about a boy who came after the Holocaust with no parents to Israel, to Palestine. And then I had a whole show about this guy, boy named Albert. He only found a suitcase from his mother. So the whole show was installation. The suitcase is, is in the middle. The mother's side on one side, Albert's dream, they call it Albert's dream on one side. And it was just so moving. So I asked the kids mm-hmm. who came to my workshop to write a letter to Albert and to write about their dreams. And then I hung it. After they did it, I hung it on a column in the community center. Mm. So whenever they came, they could see their letters and tell about their dreams and letters to Albert. So this was very moving experience. 
Yeah, I, I, it sure is. And that's, I think when you touch kids' lives like that, they never forget it, ever. Uh, that'll They'll grow up with that memory forever and ever and ever, like, remember when I did that. Um, but I was also thinking of, um, in it, like, I wish I had this when I was a kid, I think is what I was thinking, too, because I grew up in Iowa, and that's not exactly the most diverse, or at the time wasn't exactly the most diverse place ever at all. And um, I would have loved something like this where it taught me um, something visually um, but also had the history component to it and taught me, you know, just about different places. I would have loved that. So I, I wondered if you ever go into those communities um, that are smaller, that may be less diverse and present this to kids, I would think they would just love that. You know, this is something that I would love. I wish I could do it, but it's also a question of budget. But if a, like an organization would support me and then I yeah. do like a tour going to different communities, this would be amazing, but the problem is that until now, we support our, whatever project that I do, we pay for the project, sure. and it just like becomes very expensive. So if Sponsor. A com- <laughs> yes, I need a sponsor. So. Best ever yeah. you. Well, we put it out there. Yeah, we put it out there in the universe. We need a sponsor, people. Yeah, that, I mean, I just think and, that and whole... Not, and I want to explain to you also that my art is not just about Israel and about... No. Jewish people, my art is about immigrants and how people move from one place to another, how they took whatever they could take, objects, and how, how objects tell stories, how the people tell stories. And it's not just, just about Jewish people. It's about immigrants. It's about people who move from one place to another. And I, if there's someone who believes in me, I would love to do something bigger. Also, like, I'm, for example, I'm interested in New York, Many stores are closed because, you know, people buy things online. So I thought about creating a project about how the stories of stores, you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. the history of yeah. the stores. And, and that led me also the, to the Columbia University project that how buildings can tell a story. Yeah, they, well, this is neat, too. Everybody listening, Um it, so in 2017, we'll talk about Columbia for a minute. They commissioned you to create, uh, just so cool. That must be the neatest moment. I, I want to talk to you about that moment when you get that call or email or whatever that was to create new works of art for the university's faculty house. And so you have um, Living Monuments, which is a series of 10 artworks which celebrate the inauguration of Columbia University's new Manhattanville urban campus. But it also does other things. Do you want to just Take it away. Talk about that. Cause go from the moment you heard that news. <laughs> That's just got to be so amazing. First of all, I want to tell you, it's not so glamorous as <laughs> you think that I got a phone call that I win the Oscar. It's not this. It's just like, it's, <laughs> it's a very funny. funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a, it's a, a very funny story. Everything, has, every story has another story. So sure. I went, I went to a diplomat Seder, which is what they do on Passover. And next to me, Set a diplomat from Bulgaria. We became really good friends, and he said to me, you know, if you want to show your art one night in our consulate, you can do it. As I told you, doors open. I, I uh, had a show there, and uh, in my, uh, one of the pieces was about Columbia University, about the law library. How did, I, how did I get interested in this? I love antiques. So I went one day to an antique shop, and I found a book about hotel that used to be near Grand Tomb, New Columbia University. The name of the hotel was Claremont Hotel. 
I found a book about the hotel, the rooms in the hotel. If you want to stay in the hotel, it was amazing. And they said, if you are in the neighborhood, why don't you visit Columbia University? So there were different prints. And anyway, this influenced me to create the piece, few pieces about Columbia. A guy who goes to my synagogue came to the show. I invited people to the show in the, Colum- in the a Bulgarian consulate. And he said, my father-in-law was a dean for many years in Colombia. I have to send it to him. He will be interested. He sent it to the father-in-law. He said, interesting. Maybe he will be interested one day, maybe in a year. So I wrote in my calendar, contact them in a year. A year, and you know, other people would just say, ah, I'll give up. I didn't give up. So I contacted them in a year, and they said, yes, maybe we'll be ready now. Someone came to my home studio, saw the pieces, and he said, you know, we're renovating our faculty house, one room, and your art could be nicer because we have events there. It tells a story. It's history. There's no politics. And they decided to buy a few pieces. And they, then they mm. said to me, you know, maybe we commissioned you to do six more pieces. The six pieces would be two from our new campus, Manhattanville, and three pieces from our current campus. And, we, and they chose iconic buildings. They chose Alma Mater, the library, and the chapel. So I said to them, so give me some materials. I have to, I'm doing collages. And they said, Everything, you do it. We don't have any materials, nothing. And I said, even for the new building? And they said, no, the architect doesn't want to share the plans, but we can give you only one photo. So, you know, I don't give up. So First of all, I went to the <laughs> rare book. I said to them, I need an access to the rare book library. I went to the rare book library, did research about the iconic buildings, about the new building. I found, found only a little material, and they gave me a photo. So my husband, as you mentioned, is really awesome. We decided to go to where the new building is, went in the subway to 125th Street. We left the subway, and when you stand on a platform, it's just an amazing view of the Hudson River and the train, the subway train, that's the track that actually the train goes out. We stood there and took pictures of the train. Then I enlarged it, and they gave me this photo. So I made an old print of Manhattanville, the photo that they gave me that I cut it, and the train that come towards you, and everything combined together became an unbelievable piece. This is a piece mm. that you can see on my website, which is, so it's the old and the new. The old is Manhattanville, and I painted it a little bit, so you see an old print with the new building and the train. I actually really love this piece, and it was a, I sweat a lot. I, it was very difficult. Not that. And, and another building in this area, there were car finishing factories. So the Nash building, and they chose this building. So I researched, and I found like a, a, about old cars, and everything that I do, I do a research. I research, you know, the internet, I, in the library, and that gives me an idea what I want to do, and then combine it and use a technique of photolithography. And so it's a lot of work, and... It's very difficult because if I do something for myself and I don't like the piece, fine. But for other people, it was difficult. And I also want to mention that I had a big show in UJA Federation, which is a big Jewish organization. I call it Beyond the Balcony of this Theodor Herzl, the visionary, standing in Basel. And I call it in a balcony of a hotel and said, if you will it, it's not a dream. And that's my motto. 
So I took this and I took it beyond the balcony, how from this dream, how Israel built itself, and now we are celebrating 70th birthday. So it's a lot of research, and Avi also has collections of old materials and documents, and I use these documents in my art. That's amazing. I am. Um... As you're talking, I was I'm looking at all of your artwork. It's again scrolling, and I'm I'm looking and all this stuff. Um, is that your favorite piece? Which one? The the one that you were just talking about for Colombia. The Theodor Herzl or Colombia? Mm-hmm. It's Do you, you know have a favorite? It's one of my. Um, it's like children. I like all of the. I like all the pieces. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> this, but but this is this piece. The reason why I like it because it was such an effort to do it. Yeah. And I overcame my fears. And you know, uh-huh. my fears. What Fear. happened? I drove my husband crazy. What happened if they don't like it? What happened if they, <laughs> every morning we, we love to walk in the park and every morning, Come goes, what happened if they don't like it? What happened if this? What? It's so difficult. Yeah. But, you know, at the end, I decided, I'll, they asked me, can you present the two pieces that you already finished? And I took these two pieces. I took it to the room that I, it, we decided where every piece is going. It was, it's a site-specific piece. So we knew, I, I did it specifically for this site, with this wall. I took these two pieces, put them where it has to be, and waited for the guy who, <laughs> the, the two guys that, that were commissioned me to do the piece. And I said, oh, God, please, I hope they like it. And the fact that I already put it where it has to be was everything. It meant, it was it happened as if they were born there. And, that's, and the guy came and he said, I love it. Because, oh, you know, I had a feeling that maybe they wanted me to change and now maybe I have to do it again. And this was a fear. But I said, I have to believe in myself and believe that. And it's very hard also when women look at art and men because they have different tastes. You know, you know what I'm saying? There may I do. Some men are more minimalist. Women like more colors. Maybe I'm stereotypical, but it's different. And they just, like, loved it. And they, yeah, I, it I, happened that the, the, someone very important from the university was there on that day because they had a meeting uh-huh. in the room, and he said, it's beautiful. Wow, yeah. God was with me. <laughs> oh, yeah, it, it, it just, they all are. I, I, I'm fascinated. I, I don't know how to ask this question, so you're going to have to help me because I'm, I'm not, you know, super well-versed in artwork. I, I know I love this. How do you do this? <laughs> I mean, just really, so my brain doesn't a, work different, like this. How do you do something like these? Like, it's you a have, different technique. My art is layering. Oh, so cool. It's so technique. Detail. It's like printmaking, collage, color, mm. like painting. It's not one thing and it's done. It's different techniques. But mm-hmm. you know what I was trying to do? That my art is shown in one room, so I didn't want to do everything in one room the same. Not everything very colorful. So then, right. when they commissioned me the other pieces, I decided that the three other pieces, which were the iconic building, the alma mater, and the chapel, and the library, that will be a little bit different. So this is more like minimalist black and blue prints that I layered them together in a collage way, but. It started as a print. Do you, as an artist, when somebody um, wants to ask you questions about um, your artwork, 
do you prefer them to have their own interpretation of it, or do you like to say, here's what I did and what I meant and why and all that? Which, no, what do you I la- always love to hear. I prefer, you know, like, I prefer that people discover the potential in everything and that people see what they see. You know, I had a show in a community center, and I asked the guards. I always love the guards. So what do you see? What do you think? And the interpretation of the guards and the people who are around is, means so much to me. I never tell people what I thought, but if they ask me, what did you think, I'll answer them. But first of all, it comes from them. So the guards, I made some hats from like paper mache style in, about the, in Albert's show. And he said, when Albert wear the hats, wear one of the hats and he doesn't have a mother, he feels like a super boy. This was so beautiful. So I never tell people they it comes from them. It's a going to a museum. Yeah, they're but they're you know, all it's interesting to <clears throat> read about the artist. I always think that you have to read about where the artists come from and what's the background and it helps you to understand but not too much feeding the people what I want them to see, but it has to come from them. It's yeah. show, don't tell. <laughs> yep. Do you have um do do you yourself have any favorite artists or books or um, talk about talk about that? Is there someone that you just can't get enough of their artwork? Anybody that you love? Um, I love many artists. I like Chagall, Miro, Picasso. Um, I just like so. It's very hard for me. Is some Israeli okay. artists. It's very hard for me to pinpoint like one artist. But I really love older people that continue to do art in an old age, like Grandma Moses. So, you mm. know, like I, I like different styles. I get inspired with, from so many artists. And in my, if you come to visit, please come and visit us. We have so many that. eclectic pieces on our walls because that's how I live. So it's not one book, one, one artist. I like different things. That, but yeah. I especially like... Especially I love colors, how you can warm someone's room. And that's if someone buys my art and then send me a picture and it's very colorful and brings happiness to his home, I'm very happy. Mm. Uh, yeah, I, you know, it's, it's interesting. I, I was, you know, you're, you talked earlier about your family and no help and no family around, and, you know, struggles and things like that. And I was, I was raised in the middle of 11 kids. And uh, my parents went bankrupt when I was 17. So I really know what it's like to put yourself through school and uh, struggle and live in a car for a moment and, you know, just all those things. And um, I didn't grow up with, you know, fancy, schmancy anything. Um, I certainly didn't grow up with artwork. And my first, my first brush with any kind of art history or anything was a class in college. And it was everything um, about Italian history and it was just Italian artwork and so forth. And it was just amazing and fascinated. And I've just loved all of it since. And I'm getting to my point. And my point was that um, I recently, I'm 48 and I recently got the opportunity to go with my husband to New York city. I love New York city, by the way. Um, and got to go to one of the art history museums. And I spent, I went, I got there when it opened which, and I left when it closed. Um, the, yeah. Just the, just a museum of art, you know, just, um, I can't, you know, I can't even remember. I, yeah, I think that's what it was. It, um, I get them confused now and I'm not, I don't have it in front of me. I have it in my calendar. What I exactly it's I did. Museum. It's a classic oh my gosh. Museum. Oh, it's Unbelievable. A, it was just, I couldn't get it. There was somebody in there 
paint, I have this picture that I took because I like photography a lot. And it was a picture of somebody painting their copy of something on the wall. And it was almost exact. It was a student, you know, that kind of thing. And there were just, you'd walk into a, it was room after room after room of everything you'd see in a textbook or wished you could see when you were a kid and it was on TV. And I just was fascinated. Are you like that? I love it. You know, also oh. I learned something from my middle daughter. She always take with her a notebook and take notes. And my older daughter, they they believe in notebooks. <laughs> so they always <laughs> yeah, have many, many notebooks. So <laughs> I, all, I, I either take a picture of me with my telephone of the name of the artist and what I like or write something in a notebook to remember. And that's so good because you can always come. And, you know, you never know what influences you at the end. But it's very important to take mental pictures or write it down and just like it's unbelievable. Yeah. I, I took our youngest son with me and um, he, he was there just as long as I was. And we just were both completely fascinated and it was so much in there that you couldn't even do it all in one day. I, I it would take a lifetime. I bet to catch every single thing that's in there. It was so amazing. Um, so um yeah, I, I don't know where I was going with that other than I felt like the need to tell you, I guess. I don't know. Yes, <laughs> yes. You should come back to New York. It, this is so, just a tip. You should, the museums oh. are just amazing and galleries and the creativity of people. It's amazing. Yeah. It's like either the material influence you, the subject, or how they treated. You know, many times I take something that used to be something and turn it into something else. That the object becomes something else in a different context. The matches yeah. was very that I used the match boxes were very successful series and everyone could relate to it because of the collection, because the idea of matches and how they, be, they become something else and they tell a story. You know, as an artist, you always have to build a story inside. To, my husband also is a storyteller and we mm. all love to tell stories and my children too. Like we. Ha- you have to build a story in someone's head. The art has to yeah. tell a story. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I would love to ask you about one one of these pieces, and it's um, the one where I think it's the United States, and then there's various uh, – we're getting a question about this too, so that's what I'm going to ask you if you don't mind. Um, and you can ignore any uh, show closing warnings. We're going to go just slightly late. Um, it, you have a, a, a – it's the United States, and there's tags coming through. Um, like yes. a white rose tea. What are those? So like- this is actually, I did a series of the maps of America because I live in New York for a long time and I love America. So this is in the process of paper making. I made the, the map of America and the tags are actually from old matchbooks that they cut them as traveling mm-hmm. tags. So all the images huh. come from old matchbooks. So the they are the matchbooks. come from a matchbook and I cut them as a journey because collecting the matchbooks is like a journey. Mm-hmm. So I did few maps of America that each one, one also on, is on my website, is another map with the positive, negative spaces of when I, I cut the Im, some of the images with the old matchbook, matchbooks uh, the, uh, images. So that's mm-hmm. what it is. And then um, there's one where there's a bowl of ice cream. I love ice cream yes, so much. Yes, I love food. I love I food too. in my art. There's a lot There's of organic food in my art. Confession, ice cream addiction. So I, I, it's like this is like the pop, you know, the, the pop in me, the pop side, and I like to always put food. It's very important 
in the Jewish tradition and other traditions, you know, you always eat and it's, the life is around food. So I take, take food and uh, do art with food. And I also inherited this collection of very naive photos, pictures from this guy who gave me the old matchbooks that his mother was a school teacher and she uses the pictures to teach the kids writing and special ed mm-hmm. or whatever. So I use these pictures and they are food in my art too. And it's very nice because I have shows now in restaurants and cafes. Mm. So, because, you know, as I told you, I show everywhere. So I have a show in a restaurant in Harlem, in a cafe in Brooklyn, and I'm going to have a show in a hair salon. So everywhere, awesome. whoever invites me, I'm doing a show. And the food, you can all, people connect to food. <laughs> That's awesome. I have just so enjoyed, we're out of time, but I have just so totally enjoyed having you here today. It's been such a pleasure, a joy, a learning experience. Um, just, you taught us all so much Thank this past you. hour. You ask such a good questions and positive attitude and bless over you. It's just like so much pleasure and it's the happy. It's, and I want to influence other women that if you have an idea in your head, don't just talk about it, just do it. This is for another show, my principle of how to motivate women to take an idea and make it a reality. That's another show. Oh, oh yeah, we're coming back on. We can bring your daughters to. We'll just we'll figure it out. But I love that what you said, if you will it, it's not a dream. I'm exactly. writing that down. That's hanging on my desk from now on. It's all you. Yeah. I I love it. I just so proud of you. We didn't talk about how you um Switched careers midlife, but we're going to save that for the next uh, show, if you don't mind. I'd love to have you back on. Be so inspirational. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. And, um, okay, uh, you get to do this because I'm not going to – I want to honor your name rather than mispronounce it. Will you say your name in in, the way you say it? Nachmani. Beautiful. All right. (laughs) See, I like that better. (laughs) Um, And (laughs) – Thank you very much for being here. And um, we have links, everybody, on the show to the various websites, artwork. People can ask you questions by email. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's what I need to know. Uh, Yeah, email. um, Do you want people to email you, or would you rather people reach out on Twitter? No, people can email me, and we can create a dialogue. How to bring out to your communities. We can create a movement. Yeah, and a sponsor to get this more out there for kids for sure um <laughs> awesome we have so many things to do so it's a great show when we leave here and have so many things to do and and that's what i love about best ever you i was saying this yesterday and i say it on every show i really appreciate you guys embracing um the whole concept of best ever you and our guests that come on we're over 400 guests strong now we've been doing this show for like seven years and best ever you for 10 i, I upped and quit a career in the financial services industry one day and i've kind of always kept my foot in that door still but have done done this and um i am just so proud of all of you for listening embracing our guests sharing these shows sharing what we write on best ever you we really strictly um screen who we have here and on the website so that you know that when you click on anything that we do here at best ever you you can trust it and it won't waste your time but rather enhance your life in some way to help you or someone you know be their best so i really appreciate you all being here thank you again to everybody um, for being here um, and just thank you so much for being my guest today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, 
All right. Take care, everyone. Have a beautiful day. And um, go New Haven Chargers. Go Cam Garino and team down there in South Carolina. We're just going to end the show on that. <laughs> and if I, I love this quote still. I'm really going to end on the quote. If you, I had to say hello to Cam and the team. Um, if you will it, it's not a dream. Beautiful, well-spoken words of wisdom right there. All right. Take care, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Best Ever You Show. Want more? Visit us at besteveryou.com. Be your best and keep it real. Confident, successful, caring, and beautiful every day with Best Ever You. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.